over the last few months. And this week, we come to Joshua. Ooh. It's so quiet. Yes, Josh, you, 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 Josh. We'll come to you. Right. And then, I'm loving, I'm absolutely loving looking at these stories in the Bible because it's, it's great to be able to look at the whole story and try and condense it down to something small. We attempted it with Moses last month. That's a mammoth of a story. And it like, tried to squish it down to 15 minutes. Hopefully we did it justice. And this, this week, obviously, we're going to do it with Joshua. And there's this, there's this one line of encouragement that, that Joshua gets that's absolutely amazing. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And that's God speaking to Joshua, giving them the pep talk of a lifetime. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Can you imagine the shoes that he's got to step into, leading the nation after Moses has just taken him out of Egypt, then everything in the wilderness? And Joshua's like, am I really the person to take over this? As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. So yeah, we're going to look at, at Joshua, and right in the middle of Moses' story, we get this little nugget of a situation. God's people had come to the promised land, right to the border, right to the, to the cusp, to the edge of the promised land. And rather than just plowing straight in, they, uh, God said that he would give them this land. And so yeah, they could have just plowed straight into it. But before they went in, Moses decided to send some spies across the border to have a look at the land, to see what it was like. The 12 spies, I was going to say 12 spies, but I haven't got 12 fingers to hold up. But I'm holding two toes up. 12 spies went into the land, one from each tribe. And Joshua was one of these spies. And funny enough, Caleb was one of these spies as well. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that really weird how that worked out? Um, so Joshua and Caleb were, were two of these spies, and they went and they saw lots of crops, huge grapes, big fat cows, fields full of wheat. They saw big cities with huge walls, uh, like really thick walls, and they saw enormous people walking around. And I don't mean enormous people like the enormous cows. They were tall people like giants, basically. Okay. Um, and when they got back, they told everybody about this, you know, share, sharing is caring, sharing. Um, so they told everybody about all the grapes, all the fat cows, and all the wheat, and they told them about the enormous cities and the giants who lived in them. Now, from that description, do you think it's a good place for them to go to? Yeah, with the giants? Would you want to go up against giants? No, yes, no, yeah. Would you want to go up against giants? No, no. Well, this is the problem, right? Is 10 out of 12 dentists, I mean, sorry, 10 out of 12 spies uh, recommended not to go into the promised land. And this is the same thing. Is some of you said, yes, let's go in because the food sounds amazing. Some of you, giants, not a chance. I ain't going up against them. So they had 10 people, 10 of the spies said, no, we're not going to go in. But two of them, Joshua and Caleb. My gents in the back there. Joshua and Caleb both said that, of course, God's people could go into the land because God was with them and he would help them. God is stronger than giants. Unfortunately, the rest of the people didn't agree with them and they went away and didn't come back for another 40 years. 
But when they did come back, as we discovered last time, Joshua was their leader, and this time they go, they'd go into the land God had promised, and we'll discover that story this morning. And they went into that land bold and strong. In Joshua 1, 5 to 9, it says this, and this is the pep talk. This is the pep talk that God gives Joshua before he goes into the land. And this is what I want us to think about as we enter into worship this morning. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land that I swore and promised to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always in your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. What a command. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Amen. Amen. Absolutely. Isn't it? It's a pep talk and a half. Could you imagine God actually speaking that into your life? Amazing. So this key moment, not only would Joshua be the person to finally lead God's people into a promised land, made into a promise and a promised land, into the promise, made centuries before Abraham, to Abraham. But God made a personal promise with Joshua as well. It wasn't just Moses' promise that he was sitting on. God met with Joshua as well and made a promise to him that he would be with him. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Joshua had proven his trust in the Lord before when he was sent out into the land as a spy. And he was the person to lead God's people now. And we've had stories this month of some of these guys, some of these awesome people going through GCSEs and A-levels. And we've we've had amazing results from some of them, and it's been awesome to, to experience that and to hear from you about that. And in the following weeks, many of our young people, many of our little ones over here and our ones over there, will be going into new schools, classes, colleges, and universities. 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 That's wrong. That's wrong, yeah? <laughs> right, it's completely right for you, honestly. Uh, whilst this is a scary time, Joshua stepped out in faith because God was with him. And God is with you. And he's given you a promise of a future. So stick with him, because he will make you bold. <clears throat> right, so in order to cover the story, it's always good to have a firm foundation. So should we create a firm foundation? Audience interaction, good. Okay, I need some peeps. Have I got some peeps? All right, so this story of Joshua comes after, I'm going to make a foundation, the death of Moses. So do you want to put it down the bottom there? So there's a little stone with a headstone on it. If you can see it down there, it's just down the bottom there. Okay, so we got, we got it starts 
the way that last month finishes with the death of Moses. I know, Superman, right? So we are going to find out more about Joshua, who happens to be Superman on this stone here. Right, um, who's next? Okay, you good? You want to go ahead? There we are. Um, So we're going to be introduced to Joshua. He had been Moses' right-hand man in all things. He was one of the spies that went into the promised land, and he trusted God to deliver the land against all odds, yeah? So that's why I put him down as Superman, because it's a good idea to put him down as Superman. Okay, so an arm. What do you think an arm means? Strong. Strong, bold, courageous, yeah? So do you want to put that down the bottom as well? It's another bit of thing. Boldness. Joshua, as we heard during the opening worship today, got the most amazing, amazing pep talk ever. The one that um, he even, it would turn anybody who was downhearted, if you were sad and God said, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you, it would make you happy, wouldn't it? Yeah? And it would make you bold and strong and courageous. There we are. So, we've got boldness. We've got Joshua, grave, boldness, brilliant. Traffic light. Where's the traffic light? Traffic light. What do you think that one is? Stop, go, maybe. On your marks, get set, go, yeah? Because if it's on red and it goes amber and green, on your marks, get set, go. After a crazy amount of time during which pretty much all the people who had left Egypt, and this was the interesting thing about this one, all the people who had left Egypt had died, yeah? Yeah? Sounds weird, because we're listening about people going into the promised land. But everybody who had left Egypt had died, because there was an issue there. They'd created sin. They'd, like, idolized idols and things like that. They created things out of gold. And so God said to them, you're not going to go into the promised land, but your ancestors will. So the next generation will boldly go where no Israelite has gone before. But dum Right, traffic light. Anyway. So, uh, Joshua was one of the only people who went out of Egypt who went into the Promised Land. Did you know that? Yeah. Yes! Connor, well done. Boom. Right, so, it was finally time to enter their t- new home. So, we got two spies. Two spies. Do you want to put them in? Okay, two spies, 001 and 002. In order to scout out the situation that had arisen in the 40 years since Joshua had last been in the Promised Land, he sent two spies to a place called Jericho. Jericho. Connor, I love you. You're awesome. You can come again. Um, So he sent two two spies to this place called Jericho to see what was going on and how powerful the people were. Now, hidden in plain sight, just behind the building. There we go. Two spies hidden in plain sight. Uh, We have, they visited a woman named Rahab. Hmm, Rahab. Uh, She lived in Jericho. Rahab told the spies that everyone was frightened of God's people because there were so many of them. And everyone knew that God's people would be able to feed them and take the land. The king of Jericho, king of Jericho, crown, everything, heard about this and heard that there were spies in the land. And he sent his soldiers into Rahab's house to get them. But she had hidden them in the roof. Ha-ha, see? Right. Red cord. Red cord. Piece of red cord is the next thing. Red cord? Do you know about the red cord? Yeah. What do you know about the red cord? That's right. The spies told her, put this red cord on your door frame so that, well done, Elsie, so that when we take the city, we'll make sure that you're safe. 
We'll know that it's your house. We'll make sure it's safe. Is anybody seeing a little bit of a parallel here with the Passover? Red cord? Okay, okay, okay. A little bit there, a little bit there. All right, uh, where are we next? Uh, and then Rahab helped the spies escape the city, and they climbed out of the window because her house was built into one of the city walls. And so they, sh- they could get out of the window, down to safety, back to the Israelite people. Thumbs up. What do you think a thumbs up about? It's good, yes, thumbs up, absolutely. So uh, when the spies got back to Joshua, they told him that what had happened, and they knew it was time to go and take the land. Awesome, time to enter the land, yeah? Time to go in? Just one little tiny problem. Maybe, actually, a big wet problem. They had to cross the River Jordan. Oh, no. Have you got your swimming trunks on? Bathers, goggles, everything? Because this river was super-duper wide. And they had to cross it to get into the promised land. All of God's people. And there were thousands and thousands and thousands. You could probably swim across it, yeah. But then maybe there's other people in the Israelite people who can't swim. I mean, they've been in the desert for ages. Not a lot of water around. Yeah? So they needed another way of getting across. Jet skis? No? They weren't, they weren't invented. Coracle? No. no? Wouldn't be able to get thousands of people in a coracle, would you? Uh, what about water zorbs? You know those air things you can walk across the water? They weren't invented. It would float down the river as well. That would be really... Ugh. Anyway, right. So what are we going to do? God told them what to do. Right. What's that? Gold? What does it look like? Angel. It's angels on top of a box with two wooden posts on the side. The ah uh, uh, ah uh, the ah uh, ah uh, ark of the cover covenant ark of covenant yeah the ark yeah where the stone tablets were placed where the manna and stuff like that was placed yeah where things right so there was this ark right God had this ark. yeah well no the people of Israel had this ark they'd created it to keep the Ten Commandments in. Yeah, the stone tablets were in there. Some of the manna that they had and some other things that were in there that helped the people of Israel understand and remember the promises that God had made them and the ways that he'd kept them safe in the promised land. Yeah? And so when they built the tabernacle, when they built the tent, yeah, this ark was there. And this is where God kind of dwelt with them. So it was amazing. So God was with them. This was a symbol that God was with them. So they took this ark and four priests took this ark down to the river. And now, this is really weird, right? You know when God asks you to do some strange things? Yeah? Sometimes he asks you to do something. So he said, take the ark down to the river, and then the four people, the four priests, were kind of like, okay, we're going to get a bit wet with this, and this is a bit heavy, so it might load us down. And as they stepped into the water, one foot, the water started to part. I put the river down, and as another step in, went in, the water parted more. And as the four of them stepped into the water, the river started to back up on one side. And just, there was no more water further down the river. All the water was on the right-hand side of them, and they were able to cross. Thousands and thousands of Israelite people were able to cross the river. Now, is this a nation that we've heard has crossed a river before because it is parted? 
This is the nation that went with Moses across the river. Footsteps, that's right. What do you think they left in the muddy, muddy water bottom? Footprints. The footprints, that's right. So, so they only had sandals. So yeah, so they would have left, well, I kind of left them bare feet for that. But yeah, they would have had sandals. There would have been footprints all through the riverbed. And this is awesome. So we've got them, thousands and thousands of people walking across the river. And do you know what they do? which is brilliant. The first thing that they do when they get to the other side is 12 people from the tribes of Israel picked up a stone each. And at the other side, they set up an altar with 12 stones to God to say, thank you, Lord, for helping us into the promised land safely. And this is a way of us remembering what you have done for us. And so, yeah, we've got 12 stones, and that is our foundation on what we're going to set our story on this morning. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you very much. Awesome. So, like I said, and like John said, this is going to be a tale of two cities. Let's readjust everything. A tale of two cities. Now, this first city is the city of Jericho. A big city. Right. So they've entered the promised land. They are there. They are finally stepping into the promise. They have thanked God in many different ways. They have, they've done the little tower. They've done other things uh, with, the, with the nation of Israel to thank God for everything and to ensure that God is with them. And Joshua is still trusting in God. He trusts in the promise that God gave them. So let's take the city of Jericho. It's got huge walls. Um, I didn't have that many Jenga blocks to do huge walls, so this will have to do at the moment, all right? So they've got huge walls, like huge, huge walls, like so big that people lived in them. Like I said, Rahab lived in it earlier on, and there was, they were wide enough at the top that you could get a car along the top of the wall. Insane. Joshua is in charge of the people, and they had to take the city. What happens in your life? When you face walls, when you face things that come up against you, yeah, Connor, what, what happens? You try to smash them, yeah? Do you, think, do you think that on their own, the Israelite people will be able to smash this wall? It's really thick, isn't it? Really thick wall. Okay, Joshua knew that God was with him and that God had promised him this land and God had told him he could be strong and brave because he was with him. He had promised him that. So, yet again, right, there's another moment in the Bible where God gives Joshua a really strange instruction. So you've got this massive nation of people like hanging around outside Jericho. Jericho's in there. They've barricaded everything. They ain't letting anybody in. And so God spoke to Joshua, and, to, and God told him to do something very strange. God said that everyone, all God's people, had to march around Jericho. Just march. They weren't even allowed to talk or make noise whilst they were doing it. No grumbling about how far to go. Nothing like that. It was just quiet, march around the building. Elsie and Eli, do you want to march around for me? Once. You're going to march around once. Quietly, quietly, quietly. 
quietly. Only the priests were allowed to blow their horns. Can I have a priest? Anybody want to be a priest? Want to be a priest? Connor, do you want to come down and be a priest? I'm telling you, kids, you should be sitting down here. It's a lot easier to get to the platform. Right, so march around once. There we are. March around as well. And then, Connor, you can blow a horn. There we go. Right, so that was day one. March around once. Day two, march around once again. There we go. <laughs> That's pretty simple. Be quietly. What is this doing? What is this doing? Jericho's falling already. Right. Quietly, 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 quietly. Right. So day three, what do you think they've got to do? Get some pickaxes. No? Dynamite? But walk around again one more time. Day three. There we go. All right. And day four. What now? Do, do you reckon JCBs, the, the, big, the big swinger things, have come in to, to start demolishing? No, walk around again. Walk around again. Walk around one more time. God told them walk around. It's a lot of walking, isn't it? This would have been quite a big city as well. De oh. As you can see, some of their walking was making an effect. Day, what are we on? Day five? Yeah. Day five. What are you going to do on day five? Have a picnic? Walk around again. Okay, walk around. Silently walk around the building. Okay, so that's once more. Brilliant, brilliant. Come to a stop, come to a stop. Day six. One more time. Walk around again. Yep, so this is the weird thing, right? God's just asking them. Walk around, walk around the walls of Jericho. As a nation, walk around the walls of Jericho. Your priests, the, the, the Ark of the Covenant will be with you as well. But trust in God. Right, stop. Have you done once? You've probably done a few times, haven't you now? Okay, on the seventh day, what do you think God asked them to do? Walk again! Right. Yeah, not yet. Right, so on the seventh day, something different happened. Something different happened. God asked them to walk around the walls seven times this time. Not once, not twice, not thrice, not fourth or five or six, seven times. So, can you walk around the walls seven times? You'll have to keep track of this. I think it's like three, three. Four, four, three, four. Counting how many times Eli goes past me. <laughs> Five, oh, six. And on the seventh time, seven, stop. On the seventh time, God said to everybody, let out the most massivest shout you can ever do. And the walls of Jericho fell. Like, literally, they fell. They crumbled. The nation didn't even touch them. There we are. That's it. That's it. That's it. Well done. Well done. Well done. Well done. So the nation... Ooh, sorry. The nation of Jericho fell. 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 
fell. There we go. So the nation of Jericho fell. The walls fell down, and they fell inwards. And Joshua's army and soldiers, they took the city. God was with them. They did exactly as God had asked them to do, how to enter the promised land, using trust in him and boldness to go in through the water, using trust and boldness to walk around a city 14 times, 14 times, 13 times, seven, six including the seven on the last day, and then shout praise to the Lord, and that knocked the city down. Amazing. Joshua trusted in God. He trusted that God would keep his promise to his people, even when he was asked to do strange things in God's name. He followed those instructions to the letter. And Joshua was brave and courageous and bold. Come here, dude. Joshua was brave and courageous and bold, just like we can be in situations or when we step into a promise. So that was a tale of one city, the city of Jericho, and how with God's power, the Israelite people defeated the city. But, Eli B. and Connor, this is a tale of two cities. And John is going to tell us about the second city. What an incredible story. But the story is not over yet. This is a tale of two cities, part two. So as we've been seeing, the people of God, the Israelites, carry inside them this promise. They would have first heard their mums and dads talk about it, and their mums and dads, and their mums and dads, and their mums and dads, and their mums and dads for years and years and years. That one day, God would give them a land of their very own. That they wouldn't just be wandering around in the desert, or they wouldn't become slaves again to anybody else, but they would have a beautiful country that they could call their home. They could settle there and feel safe there. And that promise gets passed down and passed down through the generations. Moses leads them right up to a promised land. And now it's Joshua's turn to lead them into the promise. Joshua himself carries his own promise. One day God comes to him and says, I will be with you, Joshua, just like I was with Moses. And so Joshua leads the people in. We've just heard all about the first battle that they faced, the Battle of Jericho. And the walls came tumbling down and everyone lived happily ever after. Not quite. The next place that they face is a city called Ai. Ai, nothing to do with artificial intelligence. A little tiny city called Ai. And so Joshua thinks to himself, I know what I need to do, and then need to send in some spies uh, to go check out Ai. And so the spies wander up to this tiny little city. <laughs> I spy with my little eye a town that's hardly worth fighting for. I spy with my little eye a town that'll be nothing compared to Jericho. Now when the people of Israel first saw that first city, Jericho, it was a scary sight. It is a big, impressive city that you can see for miles. It has these huge walls that protect it, and on, along the top of the wall are all these archers and soldiers ready to attack you while you're still a long way off. When these spies spy the city of Ai, they think it's funny in comparison. It's nothing like Jericho. It's this tiny little place. 
And so they go back to Joshua and say, we're going to take it really easily. Don't bother sending the whole army up. Just send about 3,000 men. It's not going to take long. We can take Ai easily. So Joshua trusts the word of these Ai spies and send a smaller army up to Ai. But the people of Ai are ready for them. They fight them hard and they fight them long. They chase them back to the city gate, down into these stone quarries, and then on the slopes, as Israel are running away, about 36 of their army are killed. So when they get back and tell Joshua what's happened, Joshua is desperately upset. He, he rips his clothes, he throws dust all over his head. He, he sits down and he prays all day long, crying out to God, asking why this has happened and what's gone wrong. And God's answer is really interesting. God tells Joshua something that Joshua doesn't know. God has spied something of his own. When the people attacked Jericho, they were meant to leave no trace of it behind, no memory of it for others to find. But somebody has not obeyed God. Somebody has done it their own way. They've seen something that they wanted, something expensive, something beautiful, and they've taken it back to their tent and they've hidden it in the ground under their tent. And because they're fighting not God's way, because they're fighting their own way, it's not working in the same way. So God comes up with a plan to show Joshua who it is that has hidden this sin in the camp. The very next day, Joshua has all the tribes of Israel come and stand before him. And God shows him out of all these tribes which one tribe the sin is in. And then, out of that tribe, the tribe of Judah, God shows him which clan the sin was in. And then out of that clan, God shows Joshua which family the sin was in. And then finally, out of that family, God shows Joshua which person the sin was in. It's a man called Achan. Achan has no option now but to admit to Joshua and to his family, to his clan, to his tribe, to his people, that it's his fault that he has not fought God's way. He's fought his own way and he has brought this sin into the camp. Now at this point you might be starting to wonder, this is all very interesting, but what has this got to do with me? When you learn to drive a car, there's these handy little things that help you to see around the car and keep you safe while you're driving. Uh, one is the rear view mirror, which is right in front of you, helps you to see out the back of the car. Uh, the others are called wing mirrors on either side to help you to see what's coming up either side of you. But there's a little spot that those mirrors can't see. It's just over your shoulder. And so sometimes when you see people driving, uh, they're meant to check over their shoulder before they move off. That little spot is called a blind spot. Uh, it's something that we just need to check. It's a little area that we can't see unless we look. And so it's an area of weakness. It's an area of potential danger. And I wonder, as you and I seek to follow Jesus, seek to live like him and live for him, uh, if we can get these little blind spots in our lives, 
these little areas of weakness and danger uh, that if we don't check them, uh, we can be completely unaware of, like Joshua and like the people. So what are some of the blind spots that we see in this story? A huge blind spot uh, is when we forget how much we need God. The people go from one battle Battle of Jericho, so full of confidence that they don't take the challenge that I present to them seriously at all. Uh, they think that they're good enough now, that they're strong enough now, that they're experienced enough now. They don't wait to hear what God's plan is. Uh, God doesn't tell them to go to I. God doesn't tell them how to attack I. But they just think that they can do it. And I wonder for some of us today, when we first became a Christian, if there was that sense in which we knew how much we needed God. Uh, we were praying all the time, we were talking to other Christians all the time, we were reading the Bible all the time because we knew how much we needed God. And then over time, it gets easy to forget how much we need him. And so we do things without asking for his help. We do things without asking him if we should do them. We do things without asking God how we should do them or whether we should even do them in the first place. It's a little blind spot, but it's a massive area of weakness. And then, like Joshua, we can come running back to God uh, on our knees and just saying, why has this happened? Why didn't you help me? And God sat there going, it wasn't something that I told you to do. And it wasn't something that you did my way. It was something you did your way. It's so important, isn't it, that when we face the, the battles that we face in life, that we fight them God's way, that we fight clean, that we fight in his strength and not in ours. One thing that I've found really helps me with this blind spot uh, is learning to say thank you to God. Uh, sometimes we go through things in life and because we don't stop and say, God, thank you for being with me, Thank you for the strength, thank you for the words, thank you for the wisdom, uh, thank you for being with me in that. We come to think that it was us that did it and not God. But stopping regularly just to say thank you to God can really help shine a light into that blind spot in our lives. We often sing that song, don't we? Blessed be your name. And there's a line in it that says, every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. But do we do that in our lives or in the battles that we face and in the blessings? Do we just plough on in our own strength? Maybe today would be a really good thing just to stop and to think back over the last few weeks, the last few months, the last few years of our lives and to list all the blessings, to list all the things that we need to thank God for so that we don't think that we don't need him. So we remember just how much he does for us and how much he will do for us. Blind spot number two in this story is not feeling bad about the bad that we do. Can you imagine how Achan must have felt when God was going through this process of zooming right in to where the sin was? And yet he hides for as long as he can. He hides in his tribe and doesn't say, don't do this, it's me. He, then he hides in his clan, then in his family for as long as he can, because he's trying to hide something. 
He's done wrong and he knows he's done wrong. It's buried in the dirt beneath his tent, but he doesn't want to admit to it. It's this blind spot in his life. The truth is, for many of us, there are temptations that we face. There are habits that we have. And the first time we did it, we felt awful about it. It was a terrible thing to cross that line. But once we do that, the line just moves a little bit closer and gets easier to cross the next time until eventually we don't feel bad about doing it at all. We make these excuses about it like, oh, it's only a little thing. It's not really hurting anybody. Nobody really knows about it. I do so much stuff that is good and that is right. It, this little thing doesn't matter at all. But the truth is, it does matter. And it matters for this reason. Uh, there was once a man called John, who was Jesus' best friend uh, on the planet, uh, who wrote this to one church. He says, if we tell ourselves that we don't sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that's what God wants. God wants to make us completely clean. He doesn't want us to walk around deceiving ourselves, saying it doesn't matter, it's not important, it's not hurting anyone. God doesn't care about that. That's a huge blind spot in our lives. God wants us to be clean of all unrighteousness. He tells us here that we can deceive ourselves. We can hide things from ourselves. We can lie to ourselves. Uh, the biggest person we lie to is ourselves. But when we are honest, when we open that up to God, then this cleansing can come, this forgiveness. Did you catch those words? He's able to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So I wonder today if this story makes us think, have I got any blind spots in my life? There's an incredible prayer that's written in Psalm 139. It talks about God spying us out. It says, God, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O oh God. Talks about not being able to escape from God's incredible knowledge of us. And yet right at the end he says, search me God and know my heart. Test me and know my innermost thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. See, if I'm going to lead you somewhere, I first of all have to know where you are. Let's imagine you get lost in the car and you ring me up and say, I'm trying to get to Bethel. Uh, I try to lead you. Well, unless I know where you are, I can't lead you. I can't give you any directions from where you are without knowing what street you're in and where you parked and what end of that road you are. And the same is true in this prayer. David says, know me. And it's true that God knows us completely, but that's different from inviting God uh, know everything about me and then lead me. Which is going to mean God exposing for us some blind spots in our lives. Areas maybe of pride, areas of gossip, 
areas of unforgiveness, areas where we have not loved others as Jesus has loved us. What are those blind spots? Because once we let the light of Jesus shine in, he is able to lead us in a new way, in his way. So what are the blind spots for me? And what are the blind spots for you in your life today?